Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. I wanted to do something to help instead of simply just liking posts and sharing them and posting them on my stories. And I noticed that a lot of times the outrage is really centered around certain people, like two or three people. And that's like good. We should be angry about these people getting killed just because of their skin color. But it's important that we recognize that there have been a lot more of these cases that have been basically ignored or swept under the rug. And so primarily Remember Their Voices was founded so we could highlight that this is not just something that happens occasionally, like Black people and other people of color have been victimized by the police forever since this country was founded. In July of 2013, BLM was created for Black communities to demand to be treated with humanity, for them to obtain affirmations for their contributions to society, and their resilience in the face of oppression. As Black people are continually and systematically and intentionally targeted, three Black organizers, Alicia Garza, Patrice Coolers, and Omal Tepeti, created a Black-centered political will a movement building project with the hashtag Black Lives Matter on social media. And it all started because of the shooting death of a Black teen Trevion Martin 17 months earlier in February of 2012. And ever since then, he has grown to 40 chapters and they still had to continue the fight. In 2014, Mike Brown was murdered in Ferguson by a police officer, Darren Wilson. Over 600 people gathered. And there's so many others' lives that have been lost. Tamir Rice, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Stephen Clark, Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, and so many others. These people didn't receive justice and many of these individuals were murdered at the hands of the police. And these police officers received very little or any repercussions. And this fight still continues in 2020. The BLM movement has got a major resurge in June of 2020 and more people than ever are wanting to support the fight against racial injustice and police brutality. I'm here with one of the founders of a New York-based nonprofit organization, Remember Their Voices, with Arthi Lakoyan to see how exactly they're supporting these communities. Before you enjoy the episode, we ask that you please support this podcast by sharing it with your friends and family and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and what you want to hear more on the podcast. Our message is to amplify the voices of marginalized and diverse communities. Just remember, it is most impactful when diverse people share their own narrative. Welcome back to Amplify. I am here with one of the founding members of a nonprofit organization based in New York, Remember Their Voices. Hi, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? 
I am doing great. We were just having a conversation before this and I was laughing because I reached out to you guys about this podcast episode and then one of the people that are part of my organization said she knew somebody that was a part of yours and suggested your guys' organization after I already mentioned it. So I was saying how small our worlds really are. Yeah, it really is. I was surprised too. So can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? My name is Arthi. I'm a co-founder of Remember Their Voices. I am a student at Stony Brook University here in New York. I'm majoring in linguistics and I want to do speech language pathology, which is basically speech therapy. I'm very interested in nonprofit organizations. A lot of my internships have been with nonprofit organizations, and I'm just really inspired by the work they do and how they bring about change and seeing all the injustice against BIPOC in this country and honestly around the world really inspired me to found Remember Their Voices with one of my friends, Fiona. Wow, that's an amazing story. So kind of already talked about Remember Their Voices a little bit. Can you kind of elaborate on exactly what your guys' organization does, what your mission is, and what exactly got you to the point of starting this organization? So we consider us still a startup. So our mission kind of, at the moment, we don't really have one. (laughs) We're working on getting a strict one out there. But we primarily operate on Instagram and we post a lot of resources to help the Black Lives Matter movement. Particularly, we post about victims of police brutality and basically the circumstances that led to their deaths. We also post about terms that are really relevant to social activism. A lot of people are, you know, they throw words around out there without fully understanding the meaning and the connotations attached to it. So we definitely want to educate people on that. And one other thing we're doing is posting about by POC figures in history who have been basically overshadowed or forgotten by white society. And we think it's important to highlight their achievements and contribution. As for what really got us to found Remember Their Voices, I remember after George Floyd was shot and killed, there was a lot of uproar on social media and of course in the general public. And I remember I wanted to do something to help instead of simply just liking posts and sharing them and posting them on my stories. And I noticed that a lot of times the outrage is really centered around certain people, like two or three people. And that's like good. We should be angry about these people getting killed just because of their skin color. But it's important that we recognize that there have been a lot more of these cases that have been basically ignored or swept under the rug. And so primarily Remember Their Voices was founded so we could highlight that this is not just something that happens occasionally. Like Black people and other people of color have been victimized by the police forever since this country was founded. That's it, like an amazing story. I was trying to think like the organization was founded after 
really when the momentum of the Black Lives Matter movement was going and George Floyd, I had another podcast episode that I released a couple weeks ago where the group also was founded after that. So it inspired a lot of great work for a lot of young people to kind of get out there and really advocate for change. So really, what has been the response from people in your community on what you're doing? So you're, you guys are based in New York and Atlanta. Have you heard anything from the people about the organization that you started? I can't say particularly if we've heard from people in New York or Atlanta, but I can say in general that the response has been mostly positive. I think a lot of people, they do want to be educated on these things and they do want all these cases to be highlighted and not forgotten. So yeah, it has been mostly positive. We have had a few negative comments, I guess, but I think those comments come from a place of ignorance without fully understanding what our goal is and what we're trying to do and, you know, what we're trying to work towards. And I wouldn't worry about that too much. I think anytime somebody's trying to do good, there's always people that are going to hate on it. If you do have hate, that means that people are still watching you. And even those ignorant people are seeing it, even if they're not 100% absorbing it yet. So. I know you guys are like a fairly new startup. You just started. What efforts are you guys working on currently? And like, why do you find that really important to be working on that right now? So right now, we're focusing on empowering voters. So if you go on our Instagram, you can see that every Thursday we post on five states and just information on their voting deadlines when absentee ballots are due and stuff like that. Personally, I think that the only way we can get long-lasting change or at least work towards change is if, you know, we go out there and vote, we vote for the people we want and people who have, like, a record of making change or benefiting the BIPOC community and just people who are on our side and see that police brutality is a real thing it's something that needs to change and we need to have police accountability I 100% agree and I'm glad that you guys are advocating for that and I hope voter turnout it better be higher this year because I don't know if you've had similar experiences because you're in college I just graduated from college and I remember I was in one of my classes in the 2016 election And the professor asked the number of students that voted, and there was probably 40 people in that classroom, and four students rose their hand. And I hope young people go out and vote, and I hope, in general, the voter turnout is higher. Yeah, I remember in one of my sociology classes, one of my professors asked us, you know, how many of you have voted? And that was like a big class. It was probably like, 100 plus students or something and it was pretty disheartening to see how many people didn't vote I can't remember the number exactly but it wasn't a lot and I definitely agree I think that young people are like change starts with us we're essentially the future like as cliche as that sounds you know we need to fight towards it and voting is just one way we can get the change we're looking for I don't think that's cliche. I think, honestly, that's the truth that, 
you know, we're going to be the next generation. And so we have to step up. I don't know if you've ever heard this thing, but like young people are as as passionate as they were on Twitter about politics, then there would actually be like change in our government system. So I just find that really funny. And I hope some of that enthusiasm from Twitter actually gets people out to the polls or absentee ballots or anything to get people to vote. Yeah, I haven't heard that before, but I definitely agree. All the outrage that we have on social media, we need to channel it into voting. (laughs) We need actual change. And I mean, it's obviously good to post about it on social media and raise awareness. I think, especially with countries that are known to oppress their citizens, it's important to have social media to raise awareness because the news is not I've seen a lot of instances where there are things going on in these countries and the news has not reported on them so social media is definitely helpful in that sense but we do need to actively do something in society to you know get the change yeah I agree I think social media is good for educating and then hopefully it inspires that change for people to actually take action after they see those posts and not kind of just live with the information, but want to do something with it. So I know I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but we were talking about Remember Their Voices, your organization. And I know we've talked briefly about some of the obstacles you faced in your organization that kind of maybe hindered some of your goals early on. So can you touch or elaborate a little bit more about some other things you may have experienced? Regarding our nonprofit, it's mostly, we like I mentioned, it's mostly been positive responses. So we've gotten people willing, organizations willing to help us and really good partnerships. For example, we started a fundraiser with the South Asian Health Coalition, and we're currently raising funds for the NAACP. We've also got in touch with this organization called the Forest Trajectory Project, and they're similar to us, though their focus is, I would say, is more media-centric, and they've been really helping us through this process of becoming a nonprofit organization and making sure that the information we put out there is accurate, because a lot of times when we're doing research, the information we have to go on comes from the police and it's difficult because the police are essentially the killers of these people. So looking at their stories is not helpful. So they've definitely guided us in learning to distinguish between police narratives and witness and family testimonies. As for personal experiences, I would say starting this nonprofit has definitely shown me that there's a lot of racism in the South Asian community. I mean, I've known this uh, just based on growing up with Indian parents. I've seen the kinds of racist things that they say. But I think this nonprofit definitely made it like a glaring problem where before this is something maybe that a lot of South Asian children experience, you know, when your parents say something racist, you're just like, oh, okay, you just ignore them because you don't think that whatever you say is going to 
change their minds. But I think that starting to remember their voices has definitely made me more vocal where I do point out their mistakes. Well, not mistakes, I would say their ignorance, rather. It's also made me and Ajifa and Fiona realize that one of the goals we want for Remember Their Voices is to educate the South Asian community and show them that if one group of bi POC is experiencing racism and police brutality, it affects us all because we are all bi POC at the end of the day, living in a country that has historically been dominated by white people in all aspects of society. All of that like resonated with me so much. I think even with me before I started my nonprofit and before I started doing work with different cultural backgrounds and different diverse groups of people, I may have brushed off stuff or may have not acknowledged it as what it is, which is racism, microaggressions, and I'm very much more cautious and conscious of what I say and how I say it and how I interact with people and what I hear from family members and kind of combating their saying or reacting and letting them know maybe if they're out of line. So what advice do you give to other people who want to fight or combat social justice inequality, especially young people now? I think the biggest thing that I would say is to not be afraid to speak your mind. I think that is, I'm an introvert and I have social anxiety. So I struggle with really speaking my opinions and talking to people. And even if it's on social media where you're not necessarily, where you're hiding behind a screen, essentially, it has been difficult to speak my mind sometimes. I remember this particular instance where I wanted to call out this news, I guess, you could call them a news organization. They're more like tabloid, I guess, because they were using this YouTuber's religion and kind of equating it to this horrible thing that he did. And I remember being really afraid to post it, even though like that organization probably did not see me call them out. But yeah, I think if you're afraid to some extent, I feel like you are doing the right thing. And as you mentioned before, with hate comments, it's kind of like if you're making certain people angry, you're also doing the right thing in a sense. So I think my biggest advice would be to not be afraid and just to go for it. If you want to start a nonprofit organization, you can do it. I mean, I did it somehow, so I'm sure almost anyone can. Yeah, <laughs> I'm laughing. It's like, if I can do it, you can do it. I kind of had that that same mentality. It's like, if I can do it, you definitely can do it. I just wanted to add something to what you were saying. But yeah, even starting off like small, like you said, doing something on social media, like I wasn't a person that was very outward and talking to people like I am now and just making those small steps to try to do that. So what does the future hold for Remember Their Voices? Where do you guys see it from here? So right now we're focusing on kind of working our way up. So we definitely want to make an impact in local communities first before going into kind of the global area. I think our ultimate goal is definitely to, you know, write about cases that happen globally and highlight that racism and police brutality is not a thing that is inherent to the United States. 
I think there's this belief that, you know, racism only occurs in America. It's only a problem that Americans have. But I can say that for sure it happens in a lot of countries. I would say almost all countries it happens in. We did recently do a post on a Canadian woman who was, she fell 24 stories off her balcony and the police were in the room. And I mean, we're not saying that the police pushed her off or anything, but there was definitely a lack of transparency in the investigation. And also Canada has a really bad history with how they've treated Indigenous people. So yeah, that's, I don't mean to call out Canada in Pacific, but that's just the first country that comes to mind. But there are definitely a lot of countries that have been oppressing their citizens or immigrants or refugees. And we definitely do want to work to make global change and just end racism. Yeah, and I think we all have that mutual goal of doing that. So what really inspired you guys to do this work? Did you guys have like any personal experiences with racial injustice and police violence? I can't speak for the other members, um, but for me, I really didn't have any experiences with racial injustice or police brutality. But I realized that I was in a way privileged because of that I didn't have to go through a lot of the struggles that other by POC go through and it just really wanted that made me really want to make a change because personally I think that if you are in a place of privilege you are also in the best place to help make change and as I mentioned before the South Asian community is not very sensitive to racial issues I do want to change that and, again, highlight that racism does not affect only one group of people. It affects all of us. 100% agree. I think we're all a human family. We should all advocate for each other. And so have you ever witnessed anything where maybe one of your friends experienced it or somebody you knew? And how did you support those communities at that time, even like before Remember Their Voices or through Remember Their Voices? Again, I think I was really in a privileged position where I didn't experience any of this personally and I didn't witness it happen to anyone. I want to say because of that, I was probably very ignorant before remember the voices when it came to race issues I was definitely one of those people who was very critical of um, Black Lives Matter and I think that was because I really didn't understand what the movement stood for there's this idea that when people say Black Lives Matter they mean only Black Lives Matter that's not what they're saying they're saying that Black people have been historically neglected and We just want them to have the same recognition and treatment as white people. So, yeah, I would say I didn't really, like, I'll admit I didn't really do anything to help the community. And it's something I did realize when, during the outrage over George Floyd, how it was unfortunate that this had been happening for such a long time. When I was in high school, too, there, I think it was Trayvon Martin. and. I didn't do anything. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm happy that now I'm doing something, but I just felt like I wasn't doing enough back then. 
even for me, like, I understood Black Lives Matter, but not to the extent maybe until really the momentum of the movement came around this year. And it's the idea that Black Lives Matter doesn't mean nobody else matters. It means that they also matter because historically they haven't been shown to have the same like consideration as other human beings. I don't know if you've ever heard the analogy about the burning house where if somebody had a burning house and some their next door neighbor's house was fine and nothing happened to it, it's the idea that you're like that they would ask the firemen to also come to their house because that they felt like they mattered too. But in that situation, those people need the consideration because they've been tortured, they've been put to the ground, and those are the people that need the attention, but everybody still matters. It's just that they're not given that same consideration. Yeah, I've definitely heard that analogy before, and I I think it's a great one. I think people forget that Black people, they were slaves when they first came to the United States. They didn't have rights. They were brutalized by white people. And as much as people would like to say that, you know, oh, that's in our past and, you know, racism doesn't exist or whatever, it has manifested in various ways. I mean, first there were the Jim Crow laws and now it's just, I would say, not holding the police accountable for their actions and even the police their roots are they're rooted in racism because they were formed to capture freed slaves and bring them back to their masters so i just think it's this whole system of racism that just needs to be changed and i appreciate you coming on to the podcast and talking a little bit more about your organization remember their voices and how you guys are supporting the fight for racial justice and police violence. And can you tell everybody where they can find you guys? You can find us on Instagram at Remember Their Voices. We also have a website, rememberthervoices.org. So those are the two places you can mainly find us. The BLM movement is receiving more recognition than it ever has before. So many people are recognizing the struggles of the black community and they're supporting the fight. There's so many people that are attending protests. They're having conversations with their family and friends. They're educating themselves. They're reading books. They're watching documentaries. They're watching movies. They're recognizing their own microaggressions. And this fight isn't over. The change still hasn't come. People like Brianna Taylor and so many others have still not received justice. Last week, a jury convicted a detective for wanton endangerment of the neighbors during the raid on Brianna's home, while the officers who killed Brianna Taylor walked free and without any charges. Welcome to our new segment, Be an Ally, where we share resources that help you support the fight for marginalized and diverse communities. This week, I want to share a book that I've been actively reading called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And for those moviegoers listening in, this book is also available as a movie. It highlights the struggles of what Black communities go through after the death of one of their loved ones. The conversations that parents have to have with their children on what to do if they're approached by a police officer. How people from low-income households are viewed by their peers who are more affluent 
how when you are a part of these communities, you often suffer alone because your friends simply just don't get it. I would suggest to read this book or watch this movie to learn more about the problems that manifest themselves after racial injustice and police brutality occur in black communities.